This is a teaching from Grace River Church in O'Fallon, Missouri. Our prayer is that this sermon will help inspire you to take the next step of your faith with Jesus Christ. Hey, what's up? My name is Chris Highfield, lead pastor here at Grace River Church, and I want to say thank you so much for watching online at home today. Uh, this week, we are in a sermon series in the book of Romans, so we're in week three, and we're in Romans chapter three. And man, the book of Romans is really critical. It's really important. Uh, there have been influential people that have read the book of Romans and make, made gigantic spiritual next steps as a result of it. C.S. Lewis is one of those, Charles Spurgeon. Uh, and even Justin Bieber. Uh, I may be joking about the Justin Bieber one, but all that to say, uh, Romans is a great book of the Bible. And my encouragement to you, man, if you've ever felt alone, uh, or if you're going through a season of isolation or a season of difficulty, uh, the book of Romans is really important for you to read. So I just want to really encourage you. It's really rich in theology. It's rich in some of your next steps that we're supposed to take. And it really helps us to understand uh, our sin, our problems, our mistakes, our guilt, our shame, and how we can replace all of that with God's grace. And so uh, Romans is a great book for you to read. It's written by the Apostle Paul, who never actually went to Rome. He had planned a trip to Rome, but never made it there. Uh, but he wrote this letter to Jews and Gentiles in, in Rome uh, to help encourage them on their next step of their faith. And so that's my hope today is that you're encouraged on the next step of your faith. Uh, and, but it's interesting, today we're going to be talking about this term righteousness. And man, the reality is we all want to be right. That's what righteousness is really all about, is us being right and ultimately us being right with God. That's what righteousness really is if you're looking for a definition behind it. Uh, and it's an old word, uh, and, and I want to talk for a minute about some new words uh, that Webster Dictionary has come up with. You know, every year there's around 70 to 100 new words that are put into Webster's Dictionary. And here is a few really goofy ones that are brand new for 2023. Uh, the term petfluencer is a new word, and uh, this is a person who gains a large following on social media by posting and enter entertaining images or videos of their cat, dog, or other pet. So a petfluencer, also known as a person who doesn't have a life, right? And so uh, I'm totally kidding. Uh, if you're a petfluencer, total joke there, right? So that's what a petfluencer is. Uh, maybe uh, you've never heard of this term. This is an old term with a new meaning. And so bedwetting, and so that's not someone who just pees the bed, but bedwetting is uh, someone who exhibits an emotional overreaction uh, as anxiety or alarm to events, especially major decisions or major outcomes. So someone who makes a bigger deal out of something than what it actually is. And so we all have a friend that's a little overdramatic. Uh, that term is bedwetting. And then also uh, this other new term is called shadow inflation. It's the phenomenon of decreasing uh, quantity or di diminishing quality of goods and services compared to a comparable purchase that previously had more value at the same price point. So shadow inflation, uh, this is people blaming inflation on things and actually uh, just, it's just poor quality. So this is really similar to like the Olive Garden or someplace like that, right? The prices have gone up, but the food quality has gone down. Sorry if you work at Olive Garden, but you know, there was a day that I would eat at Olive Garden. I felt like I was having dinner in a Tuscan village in Italy somewhere. And now I eat at Olive Garden. I think, why am I here? Like making big mistakes. And so I'm totally kidding and joking around, but righteousness defined, uh, righteousness is this word that we're going to talk about today. It has a definition. Uh, and in, in the Webster's dictionary, it's the quality of being morally right or justifiable. So that's the way the dictionary would define the term righteousness. But the Bible determines the word righteousness and defines it as the state of being right, of being right with God. And man, 
This is really critical and really important when we think about being right with God. Um, now, we know this, man. It's great to have harmony and rhythm in relationships. It's great uh, whenever we're right in somebody else's sight. But, man, I, I need you to understand something. To be right in the sight of God is what peace really comes from. When you think about the things that bring you anxiety, the things that bring you stress, they're all really a byproduct of this, of not being right. And, you know, for me, I... I I'm a little competitive. I always want to be right. And I always want to be right in my answers. And I always want to be right with people. Um, but sometimes I don't make a big enough deal in my own heart and my own mind about being right with God. And today, as we talk about this, I, I need you to understand the biggest issue that we all face is the issue of unrighteousness, which is the opposite of righteousness. Unrighteousness would mean that we're not right in the sight of God. So how can we how can we be right in his sight? Is righteousness really attainable? And so uh, Romans chapter 3, the Apostle Paul talks a lot about this. And this is really the topic of, of Romans 3. And so there's really three truths that I want to talk to you today about righteousness. The first truth is this, is that our, un, our unrighteousness highlights God's righteousness. Sometimes we don't think we're all that bad, right? And Depending on how you grew up, maybe you grew up in a religious background or whatever, oftentimes in, in those kind of settings, you think, okay, well, I compare myself to other people and my, my unrighteousness really isn't all that bad. But Paul is here to help us to understand that it actually is maybe worse than we think. We always think we're better off than we actually are. And so you may be a little out of shape, but you probably um, underestimate how out of shape you may be, right? Or you may not be financially on track, but you kind of underestimate uh, how off track you really are. Um, and when it comes to our, our righteousness and the, the fact that you know, we, may, we understand this, we all get that we're sinners and we all get that we've made mistakes. But I think sometimes we underestimate the depth of our sin or the depth of our problem. The good news is, the bad news is we got problems, all right? And so we say this at Grace River a lot. It's okay not to be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. God loves me, uh, but he loves me enough not to leave me the same way that he found me. So he loves me right where I'm at. Not how I should be, but how I am right now. But he also loves me enough to say, hey, man, you got some, you got some work to do, especially in the area of righteousness. So in Romans chapter 3, verse 5, here's what Paul says. Uh, but if your unrighteousness brings out God's righteousness more clearly, what shall we say that God is unjust in bringing his wrath on us? And so he's asking a rhetorical question, but he's simply helping us understand that the level of God's rightness, God's righteousness, it, it really highlights and helps us to understand our level of unrighteousness. And we, we often get hung up in this because we often think, man, um, I'm not that bad. I remember uh, being new to faith or really like even before I received Christ and I would hear people ask me if I was saved. And I remember thinking, saved? What, am I, what do I need to be saved from? I wasn't all that bad of a kid. Yeah, sure, I had some shortcomings and some mistakes. But I was blind to my own unrighteousness. It's almost like this. It's almost like uh, a friend of mine would say, well, Chris, you need to be saved. And I'm like, well, what? saved from what? And in my opinion, it's like this. It's like wearing a parachute and being two feet off the ground. In fact, I have a parachute I'm going to put on for you today. And, you know, we, we put parachutes on and people... Uh, that are a little crazy, jump out of perfectly good airplanes. It's not something, and they pay money to do it, which is, you know, to me, not all that smart and nothing that I would ever do, right? But uh, 
we, we put these on, we would only logically put one on if you were in an airplane that was going down. If we were standing two feet off the ground, and I was to tell you that you needed to be saved from being two feet off the ground, you probably wouldn't put a parachute on. You'd probably look at me like I'm a crazy person. And oftentimes, when it comes to someone talking to us about where we stand with God with our unrighteousness, we often look at it like wearing a parachute while we're standing two feet above the ground. Maybe you're on a platform two feet up, and you're like, it's not that far. And you think in your own mind, in your own heart, my unrighteousness isn't that bad. It's like two feet off the ground. I don't need help. I don't need help with this. But one chapter earlier in Romans chapter 2, verse 5, Paul says, But because you are stubborn and refuse to turn from your sins, you're, you're storing up a terrible punishment for yourself. For a day of anger is for the day of anger is coming, the anger of God, when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. See, this is the bad news. The bad news is, is that God is not happy about our sin. And it doesn't matter if it's two feet off the ground or if it's 30,000 feet up in the air. And really, that's the better illustration to help you to understand that our unrighteousness never really looks like it's two feet off the ground. Like our unrighteousness compared to God's righteousness, we underestimate how the depth of our sin. We think, well, it's not all that bad. And I'm here to tell you, it, it actually is. It's, it's way worse than you think. But the gift of God and God's righteousness is actually way better than you could ever imagine. And so uh, we would turn one chapter back over again to Romans chapter 3, verse 23. And Paul says this, For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. So every single one of us have sinned. Every single one of us have made mistakes. And that's why it's really important that we understand the depth of our sin is not just two feet off the ground. It's more like we're in an airplane and we're 30,000 feet off the ground. And here's the thing. If you're counting on your own righteousness to save you and not God's righteousness, you're in real, you're in real trouble. And the gift is, is that God gives his only righteous son to come and die in our unrighteous state. And that's why you and I can be declared innocent, not guilty. Isn't that pretty awesome to think about? And so three truths about righteousness. The first one is this, is that, is that our righteousness, our unrighteousness highlights God's righteousness. Uh, the second one here is that no one is righteous. So uh, the second thing about uh, God's righteousness and really the, the truth about righteousness is that there really isn't anyone out there that's perfect. And so if you're watching this online today and you're sitting next to somebody, uh, you can look at them and tell them that they're not perfect, right? And uh, I want you to know and feel relief and understanding that there really isn't one person that's right, that's 100% completely righteous. In fact, Paul says this in Romans chapter 3, verse 10. He says, uh, as the scriptures say, no one is righteous, not even one. I, I love that he, he puts this in here, helps us to understand there isn't one single person, not even one, that is righteous. Then in verse 11, uh, no one is truly wise, no one is seeking God, all have turned away, all have become useless, no one does good, not a single, a single one. Now Paul's being a little dramatic here, but he's helping us to emphasize and understand again the depth of our sin. Everyone has sinned, everyone has fallen short of God's glorious standard. Back to that passage in Romans chapter 3, verse 23. But what is, what is the standard? Like when you think about what it means to be right, um, it's, it's more than just right standing. It's understanding if I'm going to be right with God, then I have to meet his standard. So what is the standard that 
that you build your life on. And when I was thinking about this, I was really thinking there's actually three different standards we can build our lives on. We can base our standards off of what we do, what they do, and what God does. That's really the three options that we have. So uh, when we talk about people falling short of a standard, well, there's a standard that we create for ourselves. And some of us have a higher standard than others, but we all, we all set a pretty good standard for ourselves. This is, this is where we would, what we'd like to achieve. This is what we'd like to do. And we set this high standard for ourselves, but there's still a gap missing. And then there's also what the, the standard that, that other people put on us or people that we're related to, people that we work with, people that we live with. Uh, we also look to culture for this, what they do. That's the standard. So the standard could be a celebrity that you follow. The standard could be uh, a person you went to high school or college with that you follow, follow on social media. Uh, it could be a political figure. It could be a, a Christian religious leader, right? But the problem is, is that standard is also not the right standard. The right standard to follow is the standard that God sets, God's standard, and right? And the bad news is, is that you and I, can't achieve that standard, that that level of godliness is unachievable for us. So the question is, should we just give up? And that's not the answer that we should do, right? Uh, in Romans chapter seven, Paul says this, and I know that nothing is good that lives within me. So Paul even talks about this struggle of like, all right, I know the right thing to do. In fact, this passage is uh, one of the best things that Paul ever wrote but also one of the most confusing things for me. And so join me in the confusion. And I think that through the confusion, you will understand the problem that Paul had and the problem that we have. Look at this with me. And I know that nothing good lives with me. That is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. Can you believe that? Like Paul, who wrote half of the New Testament, is openly admitting to the church in Rome, he says this, I want to do what's right, but I can't. So there's the desire to do the right thing, but he recognizes his own unrighteousness and says, man, you know, I want to do what's right, but I'm, I'm not able to do it. I want to do what's good, but I don't. I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do it anyways. Have you struggled like that before? I know that I have. The struggle, the war that's waged on knowing the right thing to do, but still not being willing to do it. And I think it's really important to understand that we're in good company. If you've been in that spot before and you felt like, man, there is no way that God could love me because of my rebellious attitude, because of my rebellious nature, because I just can't seem to do the right thing. I know what's right, but I struggle doing the right thing. And so if that's you, I want you to know the Bible is pretty explicit that no one is righteous. And the third thing is this. So the third thing is really our solution. So if, Chris, if you're saying that righteousness is unattainable, what is the point? Well, righteousness actually is attainable, but actually the only way it's attainable is it's gained by faith. You and I become more righteous, not by what we do. It's not by behaving a certain way. It's not by doing a certain thing. It's not by our good works or our bad works, our good days or our bad days. Our righteousness is gained really through faith and not in faith in ourselves, but through faith in Jesus Christ. Look at this in Romans 3, 22. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew, between Jew and Gentile. I think it's really important that you and I recognize and understand that righteousness is 
is gained through faith. And it's not a blind faith. I'm not asking you to just blindly believe and just, to, man, if you believe enough in Jesus, then your sin problem goes away. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is this, is that the more your faith grows, the more your dependency on him grows, and the more righteous you become. You will never not need Jesus. In fact, Christianity is the only worldwide faith system that says that you can't do this on your own, that you need God, that you need Jesus. Every other faith system says you can do it yourself, you can trust in yourself, you can achieve this, you can earn your way to this. Christianity is the only one that says, listen, all you need to do is believe and receive. But in believing and receiving, it means this, it means you're putting your faith in him for your hope, for your future, for your present, for your struggles, for your hurts, for your habits, for your hangups. It's saying this, I'm not trusting in me to get over this. I'm trusting in him. And when you have that level of faith to say, man, I'm, I'm trusting in him. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. So not just for people that grew up religious, not just for people that grew up Christian, it's for anyone who believes. You can overcome your sin struggle. You can overcome the habit that seems to just absolutely wreck you. You can overcome the temptation. It's possible, but it's not possible without a growing faith in Jesus. You've got to be growing in your faith and trusting him more and more and more and less and less and less in yourself. You know, I, I didn't come to faith easy. For me, I didn't just believe in this because my parents did. I didn't just believe in Jesus because my grandparents did. I didn't just believe in Jesus because my friends in college did. I had a lot of doubts personally myself. Like I, I really did. And, and faith for me didn't come easy. And even to this day, when I'm in struggles and I'm in difficulties, faith doesn't seem to be the natural thing for me. And I, I don't think it's the natural thing for you either. Like when struggles come and difficulties hit you, I think oftentimes our faith wavers a bit. And we get a little wobbly with what we really believe about who we are and about who God is and the control that he has in our lives, over our lives. So one of the things that really helps me understand the realities behind Jesus and the realities of his righteousness and my unrighteousness and the reality of how it is that, that I can be a person that's growing in my faith, I look oftentimes to the disciples. I look at their lives and I go, man, here was 11 dudes who went and spent the rest of their life after Jesus dies on a cross, he resurrects from the grave, he visits with them, and he, he challenges them to spend the rest of their lives telling people about the good news. Well, what's crazy is, is that 11 of them died a death very similar to Jesus. So if this whole thing was made up, don't you think those 11 guys would have said, hey, I know this whole thing was fake. It's all a joke. That that we made this whole story up. I'm not dying for something that I don't really believe in. And I want you to know today that their story is similar to our story. The reality of Jesus is very real. Like he really did live, he really did die, he really did resurrect. And it was all of his righteousness in exchange for all of our unrighteousness. So I wonder today what your next steps really look like. And Today, as we talk through next steps, really there's just two of them to think about and consider. The first next step is that you would stop relying on you to be righteous, that uh, on our own righteousness, that we would stop relying on ourselves. Man, 
if you grew up religious, you know what I'm talking about. You're counting on your own goodness to redeem you. And I want you to know you'll never redeem yourself. That you think you're putting a parachute on and jumping two feet off the ground and your sin is way deeper than that. It's like jumping out of a, 30, jumping out of a plane that's 30,000 feet up in the sky. And the question is, what do I need to be saved from? You need to be saved from your own unrighteousness. And in a minute, I'm going to pray for people to receive Christ. And maybe this is your moment for you to receive that, that salvation, to receive uh, this grace from God, to receive his righteousness in exchange for all of your unrighteousness. But maybe your, your next step is that you would stretch your faith by trusting God in the area of your life that you feel the most unrighteous. So what area is that in your own life? Like, do you feel the most unrighteous with your language? Would you trust God with that? Do you feel the most unrighteous in your life in your relationships? Would you trust God with that? Do you feel the most unrighteous in your life with how you, with your sexuality? Like, would you, would you trust God with that? Like, I think it all comes down to this. The area that we struggle with when it comes to unrighteousness is the area in our life that more than likely we're not trusting him with. So for the Christian, I would encourage you, man, would you trust him with that area of your life? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. And I really believe we all have a next step to take. But if you're listening today and you've never received Christ, you've been thinking that your sin isn't that bad and that you can shake this off yourself. And I want you to know today, you can't. That you need his righteousness in exchange for your unrighteousness. So with heads bowed, eyes closed just for a moment, I just want you to pray. And if you want to receive Christ right now, you can pray a prayer like this. God, I'm sorry that I've let you down that I haven't met your righteous standard. And God, I more than just say I'm sorry, I, I'm, I'm asking you to change me. And so God, I, I repent of how I've lived my life. And today I'm, I'm saying I wanna live for you. Today I believe that you sent your only son for all of my unrighteousness. It was his righteousness, your righteousness, replacing all of my unrighteousness on the cross. And God, today I confess with my heart and with my life, you and only you to be the savior of my life. Thank you for saving me and for changing me. It's in Jesus' name that we pray this, amen. Thanks again for listening. We would love to see you at one of our in-person services that meet on Sunday at 8.30, 9.45, and 11 a.m. If you feel so inclined to give, you can do so at www.graceriver.cc. Have a great week.